0: Hey there. It's me, Stu. So, hi. I know it's been a while since I've been in the world of podcasting, and I'm very sorry for that hiatus that was very sudden, but things got crazy for me in my life. I just kind of had my business with editing TikToks for people kind of blow up, kind of boom a little bit, and I can update you all on that later, but I just wanted to get this episode out because it's been a while that I wanted to post this episode. And so a lot of the information or stuff that's talked about in this episode is going to be kind of outdated. Uh, I think we talk about season eight of Apex and season nine is about to drop like in a couple days. So just don't mind that. But there is some valuable uh, stuff to talk about or to, to listen to, I guess, listen to us talk about. In this episode, so I hope you guys enjoy it, and uh, hopefully, I will be back with consistent episodes uh, next week. So, enjoy. Welcome back to the Bunker Cast. My name is Stuart Mblore Lore, and today I am joined by Dungeons and Dragon DM and Twitch streamer Dat Magic Juice. Hey yo. Yo, how so, we doing? Uh introduce yourself to the listeners if they don't know who you are.
1: Yeah, so I'm that magic juice. That is spelled D-A-T underscore M A G G I C underscore J U I C E. Um Lord mentioned I am a dungeon master. Yes, I, I primarily DM uh Dungeons and Dragons. With a with a focus on 5e, but I actually bleed in a lot of homebrew and uh, stuff from older editions. So it, I like to think we run pretty unique games um, on my channel, which is exactly as I spelled it out, as well as uh, a community called TPK Roleplay. That's uh, TPK R O L E P L A Y. You can find us all on uh, Twitch, Twitter, Instagram under the handles that I just mentioned. I do some other stuff like MMOs with my channel as well, but D&D is the big thing.
0: Right. But you have before. Recently, like this year, or like started this year, maybe last year as well, that's when you started to get into the D&D content on Twitch as well as your MMORPG. But before you (laughs) were doing a little bit of streaming Apex, um, which, you know, I'm a huge uh, fan of and I play all the time. So... What uh? What are your thoughts on season eight? Now that we're halfway through the the first rank split of season eight.
1: Yeah. So, um, and and for clarification for listeners, so that we we don't think I'm completely inept on the subject. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I I have actually for for a few years I was into competitive gaming. Um, I still am a little bit, but not uh, not very publicly anymore. I'm more like a behind the scenes, and I roll here and there with people who are still into it like like yourself we play on sundays uh run some ranked in apex that sort of thing so uh, Mm -hmm. i'm no stranger to that scene for sure um as far as i have been on apex since since launch too so um as far as your question about season eight um i feel overall pretty good about the game um coming from a perspective of someone who used to have aspirations of competing and, and making efforts in that department, um, I, f- I feel like the ideas that Respawn has for the game are like really close to being able to have a, a legitimate competitive scene. I don't know if it's actually part of their, their actual plan to make that happen or not, um, but I know a lot of the player base wants it. Oh no, one
0: hundred percent. Well, I mean, they've yeah. been doing the online tournaments, right? Um, oh, they, so that, yeah, they have. So I that has been that. yeah, that has been their effort to make that happen. And they had yeah. their invitational in Poland in like twenty nineteen, and that was before COVID, you know, and all that. History. Yeah. Um, because like I myself was competing around that time or trying to compete uh, around that time, and that's why. You know, we would play the online tournaments, and then the whole thing was, you know, winners of these online tournaments would go to to Paris, uh, mm-hmm. to play there. But then COVID hit, and they're like, okay, well, we now, now can't have these, you know, land events. Um, right. So that is what hurt has hurt like their esports scene is because right as it was getting started, COVID hit, and now there's no land events. They're just doing online tournaments. So right. I think once, um. Once COVID is dealt with, you know, and, and once that uh, dies down, I think the eSports scene will start to pop off a little bit more um, because I, I think that their LAN events do so much better than, than their online tournaments. Um,
1: I think that's the case but... for most most uh, competitive gaming scenes sure. too. Yeah. Um, I, I know that, like, y- you think of the big ones like uh, Dota and um, those other... Uh, arena games and then like Fortnite, they they've gotten i I think that they've gotten big enough in those cases um that you know supporting multiple around the world therefore online big tournament series is uh is it's easier logistically to do just because of the sheer volume of competitors in the first place so like splitting it up by region um maybe having a world event like once a year, uh, once or twice a year, it makes sense. Um, for a- Apex is not in that same playing field yet as far as like volume of player base and and the ability to support that type of split up yet. But I think uh, I think there is, there can be like a silver lining to the whole situation with uh, COVID specifically preventing big LAN events from happening at the moment in that they have a couple issues to fix. Um, in order to be like really viable in a legit uh, long-term competitive scene, it, I have to admit I, I, I don't feel like I have all the solutions. You know, all the, the whole ideal setup in mind. But uh, a couple big things that come to mind for me are like, uh, boy, You and I talk about servers all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's that's huge. Like a, a game. You're you're in season eight now. You're as far in as you are right now. Like. We, we can't have as consistent server issues as we do have right now um, in order for people to stay so intensely interested. But then the other thing for me is along the lines of this very, very common conversation around uh, third partying. And I see a lot of complaints about how third partying uh, is, you know, a lot of times ruins the fun of the game because it's like you get in one fight and then the game's over no matter what because the rest of the fights are happening soon after. Um, <laughs> right. and there's been I know respawn has has had a lot of time. I don't want to say that they haven't done anything about it. they I, I do believe and trust that they've spent a lot of time on research and potential solutions to that dynamic in the game. um but i I always come back to kind of the same point and it it's what is the big difference between how prevalent the third party and quote unquote problem is on um, king's canyon versus the other two maps i see really consistent chatter about how king's canyon is so so horrible with the third partying dynamic versus the other two maps and i i thoroughly believe that it is the map size yeah um we know that world's edge and olympus are 50 percent bigger Mm -hmm. just just by map area um, and we can we can have more in-depth conversation all over the place about, you know, key points of interest and, and all that jazz within each map. But when it comes down to it, the gunfire audio and how far it travels is much more affected uh, by the, the varying map size. So that has by itself sort of mitigated some of the problem. Um, right. I've been saying since launch that I, I, I wish they would just reel the gunfire audio in a bit. And I think that would have a similar effect.
0: Right, and and with these new changes to mobility in season 8, like giving Octane that super jump, you know, that helps a lot for people to, you know, a third party easier and get across the map easier um, and quicker so that they can get there. So you have so many teams converging on fights because, you know, it's just easier for them to get there and you know they can hear it because the map isn't as big um so so that's why it's such a tough map to play in ranked um where the goal is to to get points based off of kills and also placement so if you are trying to get those those early fights um or or even mid-game fights uh then you you have people just like getting involved to the point where you are sandwiched between so many different teams, and you probably will end up dying because it's hard to hold off four to five teams. <laughs> right. uh, you know when they're they're trying to 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 third party you. So.
1: Right, and it it really is. That's a good point you make. It it really is most prevalent in the early to early mid game, um, because no matter what you do with map size or gunfire audio and how fire travels, blah blah blah. Once you get to a point where the map is forcibly smaller, uh, you, you, those those go away. It doesn't matter anymore. Um, mm-hmm. But that's you, I mean you got to admit at the higher levels of ranked and competitive play, that doesn't matter anymore anyway, because uh, the the best players, the best teams are so hyper focused on positioning and timing the the. And, and picking the fights that they pick. Yes. So the third-party problem, quote-unquote, doesn't really become... It really falls off once you get to the later mid-game to late-game and into the more strategic aspect. It's really only a problem at the beginning and early mid-game.
0: Yes. Um, and that is why it's such a struggle for, for people to gain RP because they can't even stay alive to that you know, mid-game, late-game because they're just getting... You know, uh, surrounded by uh, all these teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it's... I honestly, in my personal opinion, think that Kings Canyon should be a solely pub map because I think it's a very fun pub map. Whereas, you know, Olympus, World's Edge, those are better suited for, for ranks um, and things like that. So, yeah, you, you have decided to basically just play it off stream. Uh, whereas for your streams now, you you will play, uh, you know, D&D, obviously. And mm-hmm. uh, Elder Scrolls?
1: Right? Yep, Elder Scrolls is, is the big one at the moment. Um, I actually started getting into World of Warcraft 2, so I'm going to be doing the whole, like, newborn deer trying to find my legs thing <laughs> in that game. <laughs> uh, and then I'll, I'll probably add it to the queue. But, man, when was it? Maybe... Five, five, six months ago, I, I came to a realization. I, I call it uh, like finding my streaming identity. Um, came to a realization that I wasn't really going to be able to reasonably put the time into competitive video gaming that I would need to in order to have a head in the scene. And then, you know, weighing the pros and cons of potentially making that happen. Um, I ended up realizing that uh, I wasn't going to enjoy it, so hmm. um, I, I dialed that back. And uh, yes, I you know we still play Apex off stream for me at least it's off stream because um, I don't want it to. Well, don't take this the wrong way. I don't want it to dilute my content. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not to say Apex dilutes anybody's content. It's just not the focus of my content. So sure. I don't I don't want it to potentially take away from what I am doing. Um yeah,
0: to each of their own, bro.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, so yeah, the, the, I've shifted to I, I, about that same time I was already – I had already been playing in a game of D&D with some non-online, what we call real-life friends. <laughs> <laughs> the IRL <laughs>
0: friends.
1: Yeah. At that point, I was like, you know what? I want to try my hand at running a game, and then I started getting into that, and it, like, instantly fell in love. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I'm running two with plans for another soon. And then with that was a sort of rediscovery of my love for for fantasy culture. So, like, the whole medieval fantasy dragons and monsters thing. So, hence we have Dungeons & Dragons and uh, Elder Scrolls and World of Warcraft, all that jazz.
0: Great. Yeah. Let's go a little bit more into depth with the the D&D stuff. Um, So, since you have started DMing and have also, like... You know, you've been DMing and being a player for um, another campaign, I believe, right?
1: Mm-hmm. uh
0: So, what would you say that your your favorite aspect of D&D is? Is it the combat? Is it the the storytelling? Um, you know, the the different abilities. Like, what what is your favorite part about it?
1: So, I'd have to say, and this is. Um... To some degree on both sides, as a player and as a DM, but especially as a DM. My favorite aspect of the game is uh, tailoring the experience to the players at the table. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I mentioned I'm running running two games at the moment, and man, let me tell you, I've got two tremendously different groups of players. Um, One group is, I believe, the most experienced player in the group uh, he, he's like a 17 year old kid. Um, he's, he reads a lot, mm-hmm. but he's only actually been playing D D for like maybe two years. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the rest are like six months in or less. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's, it's like a new table. So they got like the whole starry eyed thing. I don't know what they, they have no idea what's coming. They have mm-hmm. no idea what the world is like. It's great. So tailoring the, the experience to them is, uh, is things like, uh, is do you, do you have like do you want to write a backstory for yourself? And if so, what is it? And and we I ask I always ask my players questions like, uh, are there what rumors exist about you? What are some good ones that are true? What are some bad ones that are true? Right. Like that's a question you don't expect. Even experienced players don't get that sometimes. Right. Right. Um, and then like, what do you want out of the game? Are you like trying to figure out a really powerful character? Are you trying to live through a really in-depth story? Um, are you trying to interact with other player characters? What's What do you want out of this world? But then the, that tailoring the player experience to this other group is... These are all players that are like... Upwards of a decade of experience each. Mm. So, so they've got like... They've got puzzles down. They know mechanics. They like... Uh, putting challenges on the table is a lot more difficult um, as far as that aspect of the experience of a game can go. So tailoring that experience is is much more in depth on narrative. Right. And what's your story? Uh, do you want your story to be like intensely tied to the main plot or do you want it to be its own thing and we just need to hook you in? Um, and then especially with those more experienced groups, I have a lot more fun throwing in. A lot more homebrew because then they still get that new player vibe Mm -hmm. even though they've been playing for eight ten years sure
0: yeah no that makes sense i think that gives it some extra spice you know yeah because i think something that's very neat about the game is discovering new things and you know like myself i've never played a magic user before I've always oh, really? seen people... Yeah, I've always just seen people, like, use magic characters. Like, mm-hmm. I've, I've played... Okay, so i played a half-caster, right? So I've, I've played as a ranger okay. who has, like, some minor spells. But never a character that fully relies on magic, and that's
1: it. Um, right. So, but you're playing a warlock now. Right. Um, that's, a, that's a cool shift.
0: Yeah. Like, I wanted that dynamic change so that I could learn... A lot about magic using and and things mm-hmm. like that in D and D. So it's very cool to explore those uh, those new abilities, those new um, features with this different class that I haven't tried yet.
1: Okay. Yeah. So
0: yeah, no, I, I think that's great when you add that little, you know, um, you know those those new things for people to discover and and learn, even if they are a veteran.
1: Yeah, so. absolutely. I I couldn't agree more with that.
0: We're about halfway through. Um, so, I want to talk to you guys about uh, Triumph supplements. You've probably heard me mention it on this podcast before. Um, my man Juice here is uh, affiliated and also part of Triumph. Um, so, maybe you could talk about your, your role at Triumph a little bit.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I actually started as an affiliate, but I am at this point a uh, part owner, actually. So uh, I am in in partnership with uh, Vinny Dominguez and his brother Carlos Dominguez. Vinny is the original founder. He, he developed a formula that was, uh, in short, intended to do two major things. First, it was intended to be a formula that didn't have uh, potential adverse health effects. So like zero carb, zero sugar... Um, not pumped up with a f- bunch of caffeine, mm-hmm. not going for the you know your typical energy drink like just juice it up with caffeine and sugar to get you all hyped up and then and then you end up with this crash. So he developed a formula that was intended to go against that sort of norm. Um, and then the other idea behind it was um, so supplements are a funny industry right. in that at least in the U.S. Um, the what the legal requirements by the FDA are pretty loose. Um, The FDA being the food and drug association. Um, So because it's a dietary supplement, um, it's actually not necessary to list every single individual ingredient that's in your product. Um, So a lot of supplement companies have this tactic where they, they put together their own formula. um, But because they know that uh, a lot of people can have, Certain reservations about you know certain ingredients and their effects, um, they don't they know they don't have to list all of them, so they just slap on their label proprietary formula, right? And they never actually really tell you what's in it. So Vinny's other idea was, uh, aside from creating a, a healthier than normal um, energy drink supplement type product, he wanted to make it he, he wanted to not hide anything. Sorry, I'm having trouble coming up with what the with the phrase for that is, but he wanted to uh, full disclosure. That's what yes, it was. Yes. Full disclosure with what's in what's in the product and uh and the proportions of everything that's in the product, um so that there's no, uh you know it, we're getting away from that sort of to me it just seems skeevy uh you know this my BS proprietary formula that's really just a bunch of chemicals that you probably don't want to know you're putting into yourself sort of thing we, we're getting away from that.
0: Absolutely. So i I myself have have tried it, and so it is blur approved. Um, <laughs> and I I think it, it definitely. Um, I I have this thing, and I've I've talked about this before, but I get very shaky uh, when I got to clutch up, you know, and I'm I'm getting nervous and things like that. And and this this actually has helped me a lot with that. Um, I usually am not too too shaky when I'm I'm trying to clutch up when I use Triumph. Um, it keeps me focused, it reduces anxiety that I have, like performance anxiety when I'm in the middle of, uh, of, of a very intense ranked game, so I, I definitely recommend it, um, so you guys can go to triumphsups.com, that's t r i u m p h s u p p s.com. And uh, they have all kinds of stuff on there, the, the tubs of supplement. You can also try samples uh, if you want. There's two flavors, raspberry lemonade and mango passion guava. And you can use code MBLOR, for 10% off. Uh, and you can get a shirt uh, that it has my logo on it and, and the Triumph logo on the back, which is pretty awesome. Check it out. So this is a segment that I call, uh, rations, all right, except, rations. Uh, okay, I'm going to do it in D&D style, okay?
1: Okay. <clears throat> all
0: right, let me just, let me get my DM voice ready. <clears throat> okay. You're on an island, you just arrived there via a boat, and you stumble Onto the shores of the island. You look back into the boat and you uh, take out what you have brought to the island in order to survive. And, well, preferably uh, what you would like to have with you on the island. So,
1: what are those three things? Oh, three things. Damn. Okay. Yes. Uh, machete or some kind of long knife for sure. Uh-huh. Uh, a flint and oh man third one's tough i can i can sort of make or like fashion tying material or like rope like material from like bark of trees so i don't think we a rope would be necessary but would be helpful something to hold water in portably like a a skin or something like that i think that's my third
0: like fresh water
1: so, yeah something to hold fresh water in or because gotcha. you know like stranded on an island you're probably gonna have to or you can treat drill water yourself water, yeah right yeah but something to like carry it in once it's ready to go Fair so enough. like a, a bottle or a skin of some kind
0: makes sense okay yeah solid survivalist skills there
1: watch, watch um, a lot of survivor coming up nice <laughs> nice okay what is your favorite d d class my favorite d d class yes. Like what damn dude that is a hard one yeah um
0: so many it's crazy they're also good
1: I, I think I want to say warlock
0: okay
1: yeah I I want to say warlock and uh do you want me to explain why
0: a little bit yeah
1: okay so fifth edition mechanically warlock is a uh arguably at least among the strongest of multi-class options if not the strongest I think the argument could be made. And because of, like, mechanically what they can do with spellcasting and how they recover and that sort of thing. But the other part of it is um, just narratively how they fit in the world. Uh, I I think that warlocks tend to get, well, most classes tend to get stereotyped, let's be real. But um, the, the way that warlocks tend to get stereotyped is it's really just like, damn, D community you're you're really only looking at half of a potentiality for this class mm-hmm. making a pact with some you know like a deity or or a, a powerful being to get magic powers is not limited to demons and and you know things from the abyss and hell you know yeah. um so warlocks being believed to be like nefarious or like inherently evil characters is just is just plain false yeah um and, and I have – I actually have one I'm playing right now in a, in a, a f- game that a friend is running where my my pact – so now I'm flipping the script on myself a little bit, but stay with me. Um, <laughs> the deal I made was with um, – was actually with a devil. Uh-huh. But part of the – so we like role-played out the deal itself in the, in the moment of like life or death, of course, mm-hmm. um, such that I only do good with my abilities and it's it's really interesting because this is this goes into like really deep lore stuff uh in the d and d world where like the arch devils in the nine hells have their agendas and while they are aligned evil, the deeds that can happen on the material plane and in the world can be inherently quote unquote good and still come into alignment with the agenda of devils dang so yeah, we're we're doing that. So warlocks, man, you you can go into all sorts of it doesn't have to be edgy backgrounds, it doesn't have to be uh oh! I'm I'm adventuring because I want to avenge my dead parents. You know all that. Bro, that out is stuff.
0: the most common story <laughs> for like every D D player. Oh, my family's dead, so I wanted to see the
1: world. Right. <laughs> like, like, that's it. Yeah, you know, I wanted uh, to find their assassin. Yeah. Like, if, if that's fun for you, cool. I I don't mean to like completely shit on it, but no. um, yeah, warlocks, man. The narrative potential behind warlocks and uh, coupled with their abilities and how to use them. Uh, I think that's my favorite class. Right.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. I, and I love that, that it's not just about the, the skills, you know, or the traits or anything like that. It's more about mm-hmm. like it, just across the, the D and D, uh, lore itself, which is, which is very cool. Yeah. And, um, yeah. That's awesome. We had talked about previously, I think just that you were potentially looking to like use more social media to like grow and, and put out your content a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Right. Is that still a, a plan of yours? Are you trying to get on the TikTok trend? Or are you trying to do that more <laughs> on Twitter? Like what is the, what is the plan?
1: So yes. And yes. On top of uh, Instagram as well. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I mentioned earlier that I, uh, Lately, I've been really trying to sort of refine myself and my streaming identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in so doing, I have actually found that um, streaming and content creation kind of, they really have to go hand in hand, especially if part of your streaming endeavor involves actually having an audience, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, yeah. I'm speaking to Twitch specifically because uh, I don't have any experience with YouTube streaming. And while Mixer was around, I had no experience with it. So um, I, I have to be honest with my next comments and say that, like, my only experience with live streaming is on Twitch. So this is the only platform I will be speaking to. Sure. Live streaming on Twitch does not lend itself well to discoverability. Social media supplementing is where that ends up being the most prevalent. And that is explicitly because of hashtagging and platforms doing the, like, what you might be interested in sort of thing. Like, Twitch does that a little bit with the categories. Right. But unless you're, unless you as a consumer, a viewer, are really intentionally in tune with how you're sorting what you see, then you don't really have... You're not really being exposed to much, as far as like low viewer streamers or new streamers or anything like that. Sure. So I've already been on I've been on Twitter and Instagram for a while. Now that I have a better idea of precisely which type of content I actually do want to create, um, I'm supplementing a lot between those two. TikTok, uh, I I was really against it at first, but I you know after doing more research on it, um, you know I'm just realizing it is. At this moment, it is the single platform that is the easiest to become discovered in any way on. So, so yeah, I'm going to be hopping on that train pretty soon here.
0: Absolutely. I think, like, I have never, personally, I've never had any video on any social media platform break, like, 10K views until mm-hmm. I post it on there. Um, because, you know, it, it pushes it to... Uh, it It's algorithm is just so good like people engage with it, it pushes it to more people engage with yep. it pushes it to more people. like it's just set up in such a great way that you know anyone can make content and basically have it blow up because of just the way that the algorithm works. And so yeah've I've been posting on there uh, pretty consistently and I think it's been maybe four or five months. And I'm already to like 800 followers and, nice. and growing. So like, and I've already had like three people come in my chat from TikTok. Like, they'll be like, hey, you know, came here from TikTok, you know, love your content, stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's wild, you know, like that's, that yes, that's just the awesome. way, that's just the way to, to, to grow on there. And I've been, I'm still learning, you know, like I'm always like trying to, you know, figure out, okay, what hashtags what what time do i need to post how often do i need to post you know all that stuff and i think um honestly probably the best answer that i have found is uh find a schedule make the content you want to make stick to it you know bingo Um, and you know you don't want to compete with these big hashtags um even though so many gurus are like yo use trending hashtags use you know, uh, for, hashtag for you or whatever. I think it's better to, you know, use the smaller hashtags because you're a smaller account and you don't want to compete with all of these other people. You want to, you know, you want to stick to your niche. You want to stay in that um, category. And, and but like, you don't also want to post the same niche content all the time. Um, sure. I've been posting Apex for so long. And I, I tried out Valheim because it was, it was starting to blow up and I got freaking 11K views on that video. It, it's just really up to like what you think is going to trend, what you think is going to do well, and then what you what do you like to do? Like what what do you think is going to be entertaining and engaging for people that are watching your content? Like that's it.
1: Yep, that and makes so, a lot of
0: sense. Yeah, I think it's, it's such a great platform for people to get discovered on right now. And I think if people are not taking advantage of it right now, then they are at a loss uh, because <laughs> there is so much potential right now. So that is why I like severely like advise to everyone to, um, to, to get to on TikTok, get, it on. get on it. Yes. <laughs> I have clients that are passing me because like they, they have other stuff that is blowing up and that they are hopping on because they're able to see the trends in their niche and, and see what does better and I don't know. It's it's very awesome to see. Um, but at the same time I'm like, okay, I gotta figure out what I'm doing here. <laughs> you
1: know. <laughs> I did want to ask you about what you're currently doing in D D. It sounded like uh with the Evotech group, right? With Blue. Yes. Um you're he he's running a campaign for you guys yes. and it sounded like it was probably completely homebrew, right? Um, there is a lot of homebrew, yes. Uh okay. it's not
0: it's not like, you know, there's there's fifth edition elements right i mean you have your classes and stuff but there is yeah the some of the classes are custom um and my character is a a warlock but like a very specific warlock like a kind of warlock um and i forget what it is called because it's some sort of weird different thing that he's using but i i It's a lot of fun. I'm probably the type of person that draws out the roleplay, you know, because I am all about the roleplay part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's that's me being like, let me develop my character a little bit while I talk to this (laughs) random uh, barkeep, you know. Uh, (laughs) And honestly, it ends up that a lot of times the session will be, me having a big issue with something and the rest of the party trying to complete the objective while i complain about things and (laughs) and uh and maybe even getting angry if it gets to that i think last session we ended with my ears getting blown out um because someone was uh, playing music very loud in the streets and so i'm getting i'm not gonna (laughs) like that next session uh so yeah so it for me it's a huge it's a lot of of role play and character development but it's very interesting to see how it unravels because it is very it is very homebrew uh there's a lot of interesting like features that we have um like uh i don't i don't know if this is usually a thing um so uh you were talking about You talked about the warlock, right? And how you, like, can strike a deal with... Right. So mine is a genie. So I have a genie that I can make wishes to, which is so fun. Okay. Um, Especially, it's very interesting, too, because I'm such high status. Like, I have so much that he's just kind of there. I don't really need him. (laughs) But, But, like, he is interesting to interact with. And, um, I think he's also like kind of tied to the plot a little bit, which is, which is cool too. So th- mm. there's, there's a lot going on. It's, yeah. it's just very cool.
1: And, and that's actually, <laughs> we're kind of cycling back to the, the warlock thing, but I mean, this kind of demonstrates why I like them so much. There's, there's so much diversity in what you can do with that, the whole pact thing, mm-hmm. you know, on top of there, there really is not an alignment limitation to, you know, the pact becoming part of the, part of the world. But like some people will run it as, and, and technically this is the way it's written, you don't need to have any sort of active, ongoing relationship with your patron as a warlock. Right. Um, it, it really was like a one-time thing. You You convinced this entity to give you magical abilities. And yes, those abilities grow and become more complex as you level up. But that may or may not be as part of like an active ongoing relationship with that deity. Uh, And so there's just so much diversity in, you know, maybe, maybe your DM wants to treat it like a God worshiper type of complex where you, where you have this active ongoing relationship. You have active interactions on a regular basis and you have active communication on a regular basis. And then you can swing all the way to the other side where it's like, well, got my magic. Okay. Bye yeah <laughs> you know
0: <laughs> and maybe their butt hurt that you just like dipped out you know and didn't yeah didn't uh maybe you made this deal with them right and you just didn't hold up your end of the bargain there's a and campaign so now they right got there. an issue yeah exactly yep like ugh, i i think a, a fun element of D as well it just for me personally is secrets and i don't know if you do this with your your party but uh I love having things about each character that, like they don't know about each other, that will eventually be revealed. Ooh, right.
1: Mm-hmm. That is so cool to me. Um, I I like to do uh, rumors. So, Ooh. um, I, what I like to do with the games I run is so I have I have like a couple of different session session zero documents, right? And right. and I actually do usually two session zeros. I usually do one on one with each player and like not even running anything, but just like what's the character you've created or do you want help creating a character? Um, and then a whole bunch of backstory stuff. And this is, I set the tone right away. I mentioned earlier, um, tailoring the experience to what the in, each individual player wants. I start at this point with that. Right. So I have a list of questions that I give every player and I say, do as much or as little of this as you want what you do write about you know as far as answering these questions or prompts is free reign for me to use in the campaign so if you write something down don't be surprised if it comes up <laughs> Yep. but yeah among those questions are uh, are prompts like um what is a good rumor about you that is true and then immediately after that is what is a good rumor about you that is false Hmm. And then I do the same thing with bad rumors. What's a bad rumor about you that is true? What's a bad rumor about you that is false? And then you've got for each character those four potentially major conflict points that could come up at any point in the campaign with any given NPC, uh, you know, family or friends, uh, characters that are in the game, or maybe even other characters. Right. Um, so yeah, you you say secrets. I, I use uh, I use rumors in in mind for sure
0: that is very cool when you start the campaign do you like when you have everyone together are you like this is like the rumors that people have heard about this character and then like go through each person or is it like you just kind of leak that into the story as you go along
1: depends on the setting and the campaign at hand i have done that once where like something or and usually that's in the form of dms before we even get to the the first session Mm, um okay So that, so it just adds a layer of uh, the secrecy to it where everybody says they don't want a metagame, right? With Mm -hmm. the few exceptions of naughty players who do metagame and then it ruins the fun for everybody. (laughs) But like uh, the more you say in front of everybody at the table, there's only so much you can do by saying, okay, only you know that everybody else, like obviously you heard me say that, but in character, you don't know that. That Mm -hmm. can only go so far. I think it really enhances the experience when you do actually slip something under the table or like the virtual virtual version of that would be just send a direct message on like discord or a text message and say, Hey, this is what you know now and leave it completely out of the ears of every other player and then let it play out how it will.
0: Nice. Yeah. I just like when I first played something that was interesting to me was when people would get like secret messages you know, and, like, they choose if they want to reveal it or not, and that, like, adds another layer of, like, you know, there's secrecy between the party, mm-hmm. and you somehow eventually have to resolve that. Um, so, yeah, there's there's so much um, in, like, just uh, developing the story that you can also have character development between your, your party by interlacing these little um bits of information that like only some of them know, you know? right so yeah that's, that's yeah just very cool to me.
1: and and it's not uh just that aspect too of of like what information do people start out with when they start with my games it's what setting do they meet in in the first place mm-hmm. i actually um the most recent one that i started running i, I won't give more details other than the events that happen because i don't want to potentially spoil anything for anybody who hasn't um played something like this before but uh we actually had a split party to start the game. Yeah. Um, so we had a group of three that were together and a group of two that were together. Uh, the group of two were already in this town that they're starting in, and the group of three were on their way there with like their their missions, I guess, uh, their intended start to the adventure. And the the opening scene for these guys was the town's on fire. There's a dragon attacking. Go. <laughs> Like it was, it was more, it was more involved with that. I, I did, you know, better with the description. That's the short version. That was the oh start gosh. of this campaign and how the the five players entered this adventure. It was, it was really fucking intense. Yeah. So yeah, I love branching out of the. You guys are in a tavern. <laughs> so I thought it was very cool the way
0: that Blue um, started ours. He would have he had individual sessions with us just to set up our character, but his his main intent was to lead all of those solo sessions no matter how long they were Mm. to get them to the party that we all start at it's still we're still split up as a party but we we basically start out the campaign all of us being at this party for some reason or another and and everything goes chaotic um oh at a party you mean like a shindig an actual yes an actual party sorry um an actual like you know house party okay yeah so it it basically is very cool to have us just kind of accidentally bump into each other and that's how because it feels very organic right Mm -hmm. um versus where it's like you guys have known each other for years and and you are very acquainted with each other so go explore the world you know
1: yeah, um, getting, getting character hooks is, I think, an underappreciated aspect of D&D. Yes. Um, you know, if it's overlooked enough that most players don't end up really caring, then I guess it's not really that big of a deal. But I think there is definitely something to be said for even if a player doesn't care, or an entire group even doesn't really care what the hook is, if the hook ends up being significant, it, it just completely changes the dynamic of the beginning of your adventure. Yeah. Even the player or group of players that came in saying, "Okay, I know I'm going into like a medieval esque fantasy setting, and I'm gonna fight some dragons and bad guys and oozes, and it's gonna be cool." Like if there's a legitimate setup of there is a reason your character is here, that that just puts so much flavor into it from the get go, and it's a really cool feeling.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it was it was able to. To set the scene for mine specifically because it allowed it allowed me to figure out okay me as a high status person you know i would i know a lot of people here this is who i know these are my friends this is who i work with you know and so Mm -hmm. it right right from the the start we're getting um even some some backstory for me a little bit because now this is like, OK, this is my environment and this is how I, I know what what who my character is. So,
1: yeah. And for a long term campaign, that's huge. Um, yeah. that like I said, it adds a lot of flavor. And especially if you do it from the get go, it just makes it really potent. And then you're not just hooking the characters in game. You're hooking the players out of game. Right. And it, it just adds that much more fun to it.
0: Well, I think that's going to be it uh, for this uh, podcast episode. But thank you so much for for joining me. That was a lot of fun. Um, Yeah, thanks for having me. I enjoyed discussing a lot of D&D stuff with you because you you have a lot of insight on it. Um, Can you tell I'm passionate about it? (laughs) Where's where's my D20? Hold on. I said insight. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yo, uh, plug yourself so that the viewers – or sorry, not the viewers. This is a podcast. The listeners (laughs) know where to find you.
1: Sure. Uh so I'm that magic ju- juice. That is D A T underscore M A G G I C underscore J U I C E. That is on Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram and coming in hot TikTok soon. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um once I get together with Blore with his uh top notch social media coaching and get on that train. Oh, yes, um, sir. So yeah, plug. like yeah. Uh, like we said, I do a lot of uh, D&D tabletop role playing content, a couple games a week on that channel, as well as uh, MMORPGs. So if you're into that sort of nice. thing, um, I do a lot of that on my channel. The other uh, tabletop role playing content I do is on twitch.tv slash Uh yeah. tpkroleplay, they have a YouTube channel as well. I'm one of the more prevalent game runners in that group, so you'll see my my mug a lot as well as my name with that group. Um, and, and, yeah, keep on keeping on. Triumph Supps, if you need an energy drink that isn't going to pump you full of garbage Yes. Um, and and actually help you focus and calm some anxiety instead of just giving you a caffeine rush and a caffeine crash. Absolutely. And I think that's about it for me.
0: Great. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for, for listening, and uh, I'll see you guys in the next episode.